Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the main event. You're here with me, Daniel. And Aaron. And we've got Cameron and Nathan back on the show with us tonight for our review. How are you doing, fellas? I'm really good. How are you? I'm champion. Nathan, you all good? Yeah, I've missed you. I've missed you too, mate. I've missed you too. It's been a while. Me and Aaron had our little get-together for the for the previews of these games. I hope everyone had a had a good start, a better start, <laughs> better start than I did, never mind. Tonight, what we're going to do is we're just going to go through, obviously, the games that have been played. We're going to have a little sort of catch-up, how our predictions go. Some of them actually went well and some of them... We're horrendous. Thanks, Aaron, for telling me to take Alan out, my team. <laughs> and then, obviously, what we're going to try and do as well is just look forward to the next few fixtures in terms of are we going to change our captains, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So hopefully we'll have a, a good show for you guys tonight. And also, I didn't tell you to take Haaland out. I just said I wasn't going to choose him. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> so starting off with the Tuesday games... I think there's only one place we should start, and that is in Barcelona with Paris Saint-Germain beating Barcelona 4-1. The Kylian Mbappe show. What do you think about what did you think about this game, first of all? I thought it would have been a lot closer than it was, but going off Barca's form like in the league and that, it's it was it was gonna be either the Barcelona turn up and Messi rules it, or PSG run riot and Turned out to be the PSG run right. It could have been a lot more than 4-1. Well, I didn't watch the game, so I watched the highlights. And based off the highlights, you know, the first half an hour, apart from the Icardi shot, Barcelona could have scored about two or three. You know, they had the Griezmann chance as well. So I thought Barcelona definitely could have won it in the first half, like being out of sight in the first half, but then they just collapsed in the second half and then... PSG did PSG. I agree with, totally agree with Cameron. To be fair, the opening of the game was it was fairly even. And then Barcelona just got in the swing of things after the penalty. Obviously, we can talk about the incident and discuss whether we think it was or wasn't. After that penalty incident, I felt Barcelona could have had a couple. The commentators would have made you believe that at that point, Barcelona were amateurs and PSG won the won the Champions League last year, but I personally didn't see that game for the first half an hour, like Cameron says. PSG came back into it, and it was a really good end-to-end, tightly contested game. I thought the first half was excellent. The second half, no character at all from Barcelona. We can obviously get into the specifics of it, and I tweeted something, obviously, with the surprise selection from Ronald Koeman bringing Gerard Piquet back in after however many months out. Serginho Dest played one in the last eight weeks or something like that because of injury and he decides to play these two up against Kylian Mbappe, I think is one of the most stupid decisions I've ever seen. I couldn't quite understand it. Uh, it's so much so that I had to tweet it. I was I couldn't quite believe it. And then, like I say, the second half, it was a fantastic performance from PSG and Barcelona once again just capitulated completely gave in but for that first half I thought it was fairly even both sides could have could have scored three or four goals each quite comfortably definitely and something that I've wrote down in my notes is that Testegen is the only reason that Barcelona still have a chance of even advancing in the tie although they in my opinion I think Paris Saint-Germain will go on and win again comfortably as have been saying I think Testegen proves that he's one of the best shot stoppers in the game right now PK playing absolute. I can't. I don't understand the decision personally. Mbappe, even at his worst, and like when he's not in good form, 
he can make defenders look silly. I know we have to judge between, oh, it's the French League. These are the Spanish, uh, one of the best Spanish teams. But Mbappe really showed his quality. And I think it's when it's times like these when you really get a feeling for how they're progressing. Because with League 1, I, I don't think you can really take too much notice of the stats. I, I know you can see like, or who's playing and how they're doing the same way we did with Moise Keane. But if Mbappe scored a hat-trick every week in Liga and you wouldn't really think anything of it, you wouldn't think, oh yeah, he is one of the best players in the world right now. It's when you see him perform like this at Barcelona at the new camp and scoring a hat-trick, then you're like, yes, you get that kind of confirmation. Yes, he is one of the best players in the world right now. Forget age, forget anything like that. He is one of the best players. You said something really good there, Aaron. You said that he was making the defenders look foolish. For his first goal, he made Clement Longley's defending look like it was just a figment of Mbappe's imagination. I've, it was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, Gerard Piquet wasn't in the picture until he put the ball in the net either. <laughs> I think Coleman really wanted to see Mbappe do well by, as I mentioned earlier, playing on that right-hand side, the two players that have just came back from injury. I mean, PK is old and slow anyway and is a player that is really good when Barcelona are in possession of the ball, but he doesn't have the fitness to be playing like low blocks and stuff. But then also we'll have um, Usman Dambele on the right-hand side who has zero interest in his defensive responsibilities. That's not what he's there for. I mean, he's not there to score either. Lionel Messi must be absolutely sick to death of putting chances on a plate for this kid because every time he does, they concede four goals. It happened against... He missed that open goal against Liverpool. The goal, the next four goals that all conceded <laughs> to, to lose the game at Anfield. And then in this game, Messi dribbles through... I don't think he passes it to him. I think it's like the the touch goes away at the very, very end. But still, Dembele has got a one-on-one chance with the entire goal. And he just scuffs it into Kalo Navas's grateful arms. And then they go and concede another four goals. So I think the, the moral of the story here is stop playing Dembele. Your tweet influenced me, to be fair, Dan. Well, I'm annoyed by this because <laughs> I've talked about this before where we need to be looking... One of the reasons I didn't put Hummels in, we can talk about that later, is the four at the back that Dortmund have been playing when we know Hummels is so strong in a three. And there are two decisions that I got completely wrong. And one I was looking at and thinking, and that was the um, the Angelino playing in a back four. I've said I've said so many times in this podcast how bad he is as, as a left back. He can only be a left wing back and they need to play to that mm. system. And I didn't change it even though I saw they were playing 4-3-3. I was messaging um we've got a Champions League group on Twitter and I was messaging them going like they can't really be playing a 4-3-3, can they? Like Google are one football app must have got this wrong, but they were right. And that's a that's the first mistake. But the second one is is the Mbappe thing? I, I there's no excuse for for seeing Dest and Pique in the starting lineup and not going. Yes, the, it's made for this game now. They've given him every opportunity. So Nathan, like, well done to you because you saw that and you stuck him right in and captained him, and that's like 
that's a, that's exactly what the team sheets are there to do. So fair play to you, mate. How did you feel? Like a tactical genius. But at the same time, I'd said earlier in the day, I'm debating between Ronaldo and Haaland, which one I should get rid of. And I got rid of Haaland. So I was oh, kind of, after after yesterday, I was kicking myself like Ronaldo's just done what he like Ronaldo's done nothing all game from what it looks like. And Haaland's done that. Like if I'd had the two of them. That would have been incredible if you had Haaland and Mbappe. Absolutely incredible. Well, I'm I'm happy with the, the way it turned out getting Mbappe as captain and then I'm just running riot. No, definitely. Cameron, uh what do you think about what Dan and Nathan have said? Well, I'll I'll go with I'm not a tactical genius. Um Especially based <laughs> off Dan's tweet about me and how my teams are laughable. Um, Come on, Cameron! You put Jadonji Buff on in your team, and I'm like, like you've just heard me Aaron go on. Yeah, he's he's not going to play Chesney. He's going to play up. Oh, got Buffon in because he's cheap. <laughs> when he's more more expensive than him. Yeah, but hits and he got one point. And the, uh, it, <laughs> but still, <laughs> and I, if you're going to go for and cheap, I did make the mistake, and I'll admit it, it was a mistake that I didn't captain Salah. Mainly because I re- I thought they were playing the other way around. Um, I thought uh, Juventus were playing first. I didn't check the fixtures, but that's just a mistake. <laughs> of course, so, um, oh. rules are for mugs, yeah, Cameron. Who, who follows rules? <laughs> <laughs> Although, yeah, I'll, I'll not say that because you know COVID. <laughs> oh God! You're all, right. You're all right here, Cameron. Don't worry. You don't think anyone's going to start. Cameron, I'm going to, I'm going to get a fine through the door. <laughs> Cameron's, ins- you're going to get impeached, Cameron, for inciting a a maskless riot. One of the main things that Barcelona had a complaint with was that Adrissa Gay was not sent off in the first half, and I thought this was interesting because it didn't show it in the highlights, but Adrissa Gay had. He had a yellow card in the 20th minute, he brought down Pedri, pretty obvious. And then he had another pretty clear cut yellow card, but wasn't given one. And then Pochettino made a, <laughs> just subbed him off at half time. But Barcelona and a lot of their like pundits and, and people like that, they were quite, were quite critical of gear not being sent off. Did anyone have a? Did anyone see the match to be able yeah. to see this? Yeah. And what What were your thoughts on it? He should have been off. I mean, I was surprised when I seen the lineup and saw him playing over Herrera in the first place. But he should have been definitely sent off. <clears throat> the thing is, if he'd if he'd stayed on the pitch and Pochettino hadn't brought him off, he was doing Barcelona a favor anyway, because he he was comfortably the worst player on the pitch I think like and that includes Barcelona's back four he was absolutely dreadful and I think there was definitely an opportunity it might be the Griezmann chance where he goes through and he kind of quite pass it anyone and he uh he hits it wide I think it's that chance but it might have been another one kind of quite remember because I haven't watched the highlights I've watched most most of this game and he just takes out one of his own players who's about to pick up the ball and that's where the chance comes from so when he wasn't trying to get sent off, he was just trying to stitch his own team up. He was laughably bad. And I know he's not a bad player. He's just had a bad game. But there's... I understand where the referee's coming from and I understand where the Barcelona gripes are coming from. It's a tackle that can go either way. It's one of those where I think if he hadn't been booked, he's getting a booking for it. But I think with it being a second yellow, the referees tried to 
save the game and have a word with them. And with that word, Pochettino seen it straight away and obviously took them off at halftime. And it was the right thing to do anyway, because they weren't controlling midfield until the second half. It was end to end. I don't, I'm not buying when the commentators were saying that Barcelona looked like a pub team. I mean, the commentator said no one in this universe would save that penalty from Lionel Messi. It's like, well, it was a very yeah, good penalty. Yeah, I remember penalty. that. It was a very good penalty, but it's not unsavable. I've seen a lot of better penalties. I mean, it doesn't matter. They go in and he's hit it high, fairly in the corner. People keep on saying bins. It wasn't in the bins. It was high and yet at the side. It was a really, really, really good penalty. But it's just the rhetoric that some of the commentators use. No one in this universe would have saved that. I, wasn't that unsavable. And and then also to say that Barcelona looked like... A, yeah. <laughs> um, Carl Darlow would have saved it. Uh, but well. with them... But they also then have the audacity to say that Barcelona looked like a pub team. I'd argue in the second half they did. But in the first half, it was... It was end-to-end stuff that had just as many... They could, Barcelona could have been 3-0 up in this game quite comfortably. And it, they just didn't take the chances. Griezmann hits one wide and Dembele misses an absolute sitter against a, a really good PSG team. I actually remember thinking for a five-minute period of the game, PSG are struggling here. They were, re, they were struggling really badly for five, ten minutes. And then they created a chance. They created another chance to get the corner... And then, the, the most importantly, they get the goal. And what once the equaliser goes in, you can see they've got more belief. And from that moment, PSG were the better team. Absolutely. Should we talk about the penalty? Was it a penalty? Was it not a penalty? It's one of them ones, isn't it? Like, in today's world, as they keep saying, in today's football rulings, it's a pen, but it's a soft pen to give, like, anyways. I didn't think it was a penalty, mainly because... Kazawa didn't even take one look at where De Jong was. He, he was just mm. con- completely looking at the ball all the time. He just ran to where the ball was going to drop. I agree with you, Cameron. A lot of the... I mean, a lot of the professionals were saying, yeah, it was a penalty, but also Joe Cole called the, um, La Messiah, La Masala. So <laughs> BT's commentary and pundits... I couldn't really well give class. what they <laughs> what they crack on about at halftime. They talk absolute nonsense most of the time. So one or two of them are good, but the rest of them are horrendous. I think actually the um the guy who hosts the shows probably <laughs> probably knows the most, which isn't really the way it should be. Yeah. So I even just being involved in any level of football, it's a tangle of legs. And mm. I've had it done to me, and I've had it, and I've done it to people, and you're just like, "Whoa, what? That didn't even see you." It's just a coming together. Um, I don't think it's a foul personally, so, but that's just my opinion. And ultimately, it didn't. I don't think it's had too much of an effect on the game in the end. And I can understand why the referee's given it. It's not like this is a terrible <clears> decision. <throat> I do, I think this is the perfect example of a subjective decision. I think some people look at it and go, well, there was contact. It's a penalty. And he has clipped him. And other people will say that was totally accidental. He didn't look at him. And a lot of people say, no, intent doesn't matter. I mean, that sort of seems to be when it suits you, really. So Yeah. yeah. 
saw something like I was I think it was B might have been BT, you know, with that world class pundits again, but they said if you make any contact in the box now, it's a pen. Which is not so the rules. It might as well be playing basketball then, just stand and watch them and just, you know, try and just block it, but don't touch the player because if they go down, that's it. And that's just not the rules. Exactly. But I mean Again, once again, a lot of the pundits don't even know the rules. Sometimes I hear them go on about things and it's like, do you do you not know them? <laughs> what what are you talking about? Yeah, the the dreadful, some of them, absolutely dreadful. I think that's a bonus episode we need to do one time is rank hmm. pundits. Yes. Um, that'd be oh, a that good could bonus be fun. Episode. That could be fun. So we'll put that one in the summer. And <laughs> I want to come back to Mbappe. I don't want to uh, have to repeat ourselves later because there's a big narrative that the media is running right now. So we're going to come back to Mbappe. But in terms of Paris Saint-Germain, Moise Kian is still probably one of the best budget options in Fantasy Champions League. He got another goal today. And at just priced just over $6 he's... I think he's going to advance past this stage and you could be someone you could look at in the future stages to bring in and well played to the people who still had him in their team. Obviously you would have wished you got Mbappe, but a lot of people were struggling with budget options and Kian is still one of the best ones. Seems to be having a good season and seems to be showing that potential that he showed at Juventus. Yeah, absolutely. He's... I thought he was excellent on the right-hand side as well early on. Like mm. I say, Barcelona were really good in the in the opening sort of half hour and the, the press nice and high. And there's a moment where he picked up the ball on the right-hand side and just completely mugged off three or four Barcelona players. And the commentator, again, I can't believe it, the commentator was like, oh, great feat by Idrissa Garnagay. But Moise Kian passed the ball to Idrissa Garnagay and then the commentator goes, and then it's back into Kimpembe from Adrisagan again. It's like, what do you what 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 do you think's just happened here? Mitosis? Has he just split into two people? <laughs> um it's absolutely ridiculous. I'd love to say it's racism, but it's not because of the amount of times that Gundawan and Bernardo Silva get confused as well. Yeah. It's remarkable that these get paid to to talk about footballers when they can't they're on the sidelines. I don't know how they can't see. Look at the numbers for a start. Also, the fact that front as well. Moise Kian and Idrissa Garnagay look nothing like each other. Someone's <laughs> got dreadlocks. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm, I'm sure the purple dreadlocks as well, so he stands out. But Moise yeah, Kian I mean, is huge as well. Like He's yeah. well over six foot. I, yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't think he was that tall. Oh, he's, he's big. I thought he One's was really five absolute tank, and the other one looks like pipe cleaner. <laughs> don't look anything like each other I feel very unlucky as well with um, I mean we're talking about fine margins my Kurtzwa decision because he's he's got a minus one point on conceding the penalty mm. obviously that penalty makes him lose his clean sheet he gets the assist to the assist for the first goal by the way what a pass from Verratti unbelievable no, I was pass. I was going to say um, Verratti I think Verratti had an all-round great game as well and then obviously Kurtzwa has his shot on the box that, as Aaron so kindly mentioned earlier on, shown to Stegen as being one of the best shot stoppers in the Go world. I saved yeah. that one, didn't he? As he puts it through uh, keep his legs. So I, I think he's ended up with like three points. And it's so 
very easily could have been 13 points. But that's the fine margins. Did the app uh, fix the um, the Kazawa points in the end? Unfortunately, oh. yes, Cameron. For anyone that didn't see, um, I, there was a moment <laughs> by the app. I mean, I say a moment, five hours, where the app had Kurtua conceding a penalty for minus one, earning a penalty for plus two. So, yeah, I'm not entirely sure what was going on with it then. And just real quick before we move on from this game, uh, I was listening to, I think it was Talk Sport or I don't know, it was on a YouTube video. I didn't know what channel it was, but they were translated a kind of like a coming together between Mbappe versus Alba and PK. Did anyone else hear about no. this? I've heard the PK versus yeah, Griezmann one. one. I the Mbappe one. Yes. Yeah, I've heard the PK versus Griezmann one as well. So basically Mbappe, Alba had a problem with Mbappe. I mean, the whole Barcelona defense did, but this one was more of a personal thing. And so basically Mbappe tried to do a skill that Alba tackled him and Mbappe fell to the floor. I don't know what part of the match it was at. And Alba comes across to him and I guess Mbappe speaks Spanish. I know he speaks English very well, but... He knows a few languages yeah. and Alba goes like you have such a big head, like you're, you're still young, stuff like that. Just kind of getting in his face about how big of a head he has. Yeah. And Mbappe goes full extreme and goes, I will, if we weren't in a football match, I would kill you. <laughs> That's a bit extreme, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> which causes, how you want to go with it. Which causes Pique to run over and starts going, who are you going to kill? Who are you going to kill? Huh? And like, um, and then like, as Mbappe is like running away laughing, Alba starts just going, yeah, you big head. <laughs> <Something like that>. <laughs> <laughs> and just Must talking about like how you pick everyone again. <laughs> like just talking about how young he still is. And I just thought that was hilarious. How like, it's kind of like Alba's getting himself into trouble gets a big friend to stick up for him <laughs> and then just shouts from behind the big guy's back going, yeah, hold me back. <laughs> you don't want to see what I do. I just thought that it's was like quite Pique's, he's rough cousin, isn't it? Like everyone's got one of those cousins that's from, from one of the, like the, um, the naughty part of town. It's like peak is that cousin coming over. But I mean, there was the PK versus Griezmann uh, where PK didn't want to play long balls and Griezmann said something back and they had a bit of an altercation. I mean, Pique is not used to doing a lot of running around <laughs> in that Barcelona back four, back in the days of having Iniesta, Busquets and, and Xavi just knocking around in dairy lays for fun. So any chance that Gerard Pique loses his mind, I find highly entertaining. Same with Sergio Ramos, the pair of them hate each other. And I think the rest of the world just it really enjoys it when they're having a torrid time as well. So keep it up, Griezmann. Keep losing that ball. All right, and moving on from that game to the other one that occurred that night was RB Leipzig nil, Liverpool 2, with a Salah and a Mane goal from two defensive mistakes. There's quite a few things I wanted to dive into with this game, but first of all, like, what's everyone's thoughts on this game? Nathan? I was quite surprised Liverpool actually managed to score a goal after the way they've been playing lately. But Leipzig, 
just defend, looked defensively poor at times and came came through in the end for Liverpool. Hope might give them some confidence. Cameron, I thought Liverpool played quite well. I mean, Allison showed a few of his uh, recent shakiness, but uh, apart from that, they just opened up Leipzig really easily. I mean, Golaski was looking like B-Tech Neuer and failing miserably. Yeah, I just thought Leipzig got re- opened up really easily and Liverpool just took advantage of that. And Dan? Yeah, um, from what I saw this game, I mainly watched the first half, to be honest, and then watched the Barcelona game for the second half predominantly. I was sort of flicking in the first half, but Liverpool were definitely the best team in the first half, comfortably pressing. Obviously, Donny Olmo had the... Danny Olmo, even. <laughs> Getting confused with uh, Donny Osmond. Yeah, Donny Osmond hit the woodwork. (laughs) (laughs) And I think after that, they were relatively untroubled in the first half. They've had some really good chances. Bobby Firmino leaving his shooting boots at home again. Does he actually have shooting boots? Well, to be fair, he did put the... He he scored, didn't he, and got disallowed. Controversial. With his head. But I mean, (laughs) if he had missed that, that would have been atrocious. It was like five yards out. So he, he had to score that really. But yeah, I thought Mane looked really lively. He looks he looked excellent in the game. His defensive work was fantastic. He drove the ball from deep really, really well. And he turned Liverpool from back to front. Uh, Andrew Robertson had a cheeky little attempt from like 75 yards. <laughs> just went over the bar. That was that would have been great if that had went in. But I just think Nagelsmann got it wrong. Probably more worried about what suit he was going to wear for the next round. <laughs> him realising that he can't play a back four with the defenders that he's got. Upa Meccano is, you know, one day Superman, the next day is Clark Kent, isn't he? That's just the type of player that he is. He, he's, he has a worldie, or he cannot pass the ball to his own team. Ultimately, that's what the games came down to. Two mistakes, or three mistakes, because there was two mistakes for the first goal. Mm. And I, look, I think Liverpool could have scored another chances. I also think, you know, how have... Leipzig not scored. Huang towards the end missed an absolute sitter. It's a one-on-one. And Allison pulls out a wonder save against Nkunku who tries to lift it over him. Much to my dismay as I went for a captaincy punt on Nkunku. So I was livid. If all the times not to make a mistake, it couldn't have been now, could it have Allison? Just let the lads score. But yeah, Leipzig were just desperate to get every player that had yellow cartridge at one point, I think. So it was a really, really really poor night for them and I think that'll be a game that they'll have lots of regrets over they didn't show a good account of themselves at all well did at Liverpool though and they like they worked really hard for it and they looked confident they looked at it and they looked like the Liverpool of old and they needed a bit of luck on the night but so what every team needs luck and they ultimately they took their chances when the luck came and they still had like Salah still had to pounce on the two mistakes he still had to read those two mistakes I wouldn't quite go into the realms of Steve McManaman's what a goal that is. Like, all right, Steve, calm down. It's good coach as in this thing. Like, good goal. Yes. You can put your knob away now. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was gushing, wasn't he? Like, it was absolutely... Like, all right. It's like, so Sabitz has just <laughs> played a pass five yards away from the defender who slipped and fell over. Salah's, again, well done picking it up and he, it's a good finish. From inside the box. On to the next one. Like, not... <laughs> yeah. Full of superlatives, the, the commentators. Like I say, they just love hyperbolic rhetoric. Like, they just absolutely love it. Nothing can just be what it is. Good. I was obviously watching the 
uh, Barcelona game, and obviously when Liverpool scored, it came, obviously it came through, and the commentators were saying that's a great goal for that poor Liverpool team that have had such struggles of late. For poor Liverpool team, they're still in the Champions League, they're playing the Champions League, and well done, they scored a goal. You don't have to like harp on like the yeah. like, they've been so hard. They've done been in a, a bit of bad form, but oh. things are taking so drastically. I'm happy for Jurgen Klopp as well. Obviously, we spoke on the last podcast about his mother dying, and hopefully this takes some pressure off him so that you can just you know, grieve without the pressures of work. Aaron, we haven't asked what you thought. We've just been jumping around here. What do you think of the game? Yeah, I was just about to get onto that. I think Liverpool did look more like the Liverpool of last season in which they brought that intensity, making Leipzig make a few mistakes. Not not the two that led to goals, because obviously they're going to be the ones that everyone highlights, but kind of just making it sloppy, making a few of the players second guess what they were going to do there was a lot of energy in the midfield. Thiago, he's a very de- uh, divisive midfielder. A lot of people love him. A lot of people think that he's actually the weak link in the Liverpool team. Regardless, I think that it was a good effort overall by the midfield and the and even the defence, really. Jordan Henderson just being solid again. There is times when you can tell that he isn't a centre-back. And that's pretty obvious it's it's going to happen. But he has done a really good job to make Liverpool not completely capitulate under the immense pressure that they're in. Robertson, Alexander-Arnold are still highly owned in fantasy. So the clean sheet just... I, I think it's just one of the things we just can't second guess or vote against this Liverpool defence anymore. Not that I'm going to rush to get them in, but... I think on the podcast, I need to stop saying that it's going to be a draw or something like that. Because <laughs> <laughs> they've proven me wrong so many times this season. Curtis Jones played well from what I've seen. He's been their best player over the last last four or five weeks. He's been the most consistently excellent player. Obviously, you get Salah, who comes, comes up good for a couple of games, then goes quiet. Manny was my man in the match for yeah. this game comfortably but he's also been a shadow of himself in other games so you know in terms of consistency I think Curtis Jones has been absolutely fantastic and some of the other Liverpool players should be ashamed that he's come in and made them look like fools with regards to the Thiago situation we said on the the oh, semi-final podcast last season where Bayern played Leon, how much of a defensive liability Thiago looked I just want to go and listen to that podcast if you want we mentioned how bad he looked in that game defensively. Nothing that he's done will change my mind. He's, I, I think the world is struggling so much for unbelievable central midfielders after being spoilt by Xavi, Iniesta, Zizou, that we now have to fixate on someone. And for whatever reason, Thiago's the one and appreciate his metronome ability to dictate play on the ball is fantastic. But... That is not the only thing that a footballer needs to be or needs to do. Do you think people's just focusing on Thiago though, because he's in the mold of like a Xavi and how he's came through the Barcelona Academy, and people just like, oh, he is the next Xavi Iniesta? Yeah, I th- honestly, I think I think a combination of Luka Modric being too old now. Um, he's he's not too old to play football or anything, obviously, <laughs> but in terms of you know, he's getting on now that you don't want to say he's. He's as good as Iniesta or Xavi was. People need to find that space. Like people are already talking about Mbappe versus Haaland as the new Messi versus Ronaldo. Like 
that amazing. I was going to mention that. Give them a chance. We are going to get onto that. That's a big topic for later. We'll have to see things through context. Xavi and Iniesta are two of the greatest central midfielders that have ever lived. In my lifetime, Iniesta and Zidane are the two best central midfielders of my entire lifetime. With Xavi maybe being third. I don't know, Steven Gerrard's and Roy Keane are probably in there as well, somewhere or other. But for me, Iniesta and Zidane are just above everyone. And we are just desperate as as a fan base and as football lovers to find the catharsis within. You know, we need that nostalgia in another player. We need to find that player. This Every youngster, oh, he's the Nigerian Messi. He's the Bolivian Messi. He's the, he's the Taiwanese Messi. Like you can just be Sonic. that you can just be Sorry. that player. Like we don't need and when Messi came through, he's the new Ronaldinho, he's the new Maradona. When Ronaldo came through, when Ronaldo's 17, 18, who's the real Ronaldo? This one or R9. And it's just let the players be themselves mm. and objectively judge a player on that. Tiago is a fantastic passer of the ball, and in a possession-based team. He will dictate the play fantastically well. You'll play better in a double pivot because he needs the protection there because he is a defensive liability. Why? Because he's a human and not every player is good at everything. When you look at Iniesta or Zidane or Xavi, they all had someone playing behind him. Zidane had Makaleli, Iniesta had Busquets. So the, if anything, the most comparable player for Thiago would be Andrea Perlo because they both play the deep line playmaker role. And I wouldn't say that Thiago is as good as Perlo. Could I take it back to the way about the Curtis Jones consistency thing? Yes. Do you think, obviously, because Thiago gets scrutinised for not being the player he was at Bayern Munich or not being the player Liverpool fans think that we're getting, do you think Curtis Jones is being let off a bit because he, he is Liverpool's own player and he just goes out there with no pressure because they're like, oh, he's came through the academy, he's our player. You know, he'll come good one day. Do you think that's got something to do with him not being scrutinised as much as the other players? I don't think he's done anything consistently wrong to be scrutinised for. Ultimately, I think, irrespective of where he's from, I think the local lad thing definitely helps. But rightly so. Young players shouldn't be scrutinised so much. We look at, obviously, for our team, we've got the Longstaff brothers. And I see some of the grief that they get, and whether they play well or not, it's like mm-hmm. one's what, 21, 22? <laughs> the other one's 20? It's just, I don't know what everyone else was doing at 20, 21, but I know that I couldn't run around a football pitch at that age unless it was like, had a bottle of Stella in my hand or something. I'm sat here. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, Cameron. Exactly. <laughs> Cameron has peaked in his life just speaking to us three, so compare that to Curtis Jones. <laughs> No way I'd rather be. <laughs> I had a kid at 21 sooner. <laughs> I think um, the fact that he's not getting so much scrutiny is a fantastic thing. And I don't think it's something that we should be so cynical over. That's the way it should yeah, be. I agree. Something that I wanted to touch on from this game was, you know how before you were talking about Moise Kane getting confused with... Idrissa Gay. Yeah. So I don't know if it was just me, Yeah. but for Mane's goal... The commentators were saying that Umpa McConnell made a huge mistake. I'd agree with them. That was Mukiel who slipped, wasn't it? I thought it, it was Canati. It was Canati even playing. No, it was Mukiel. <laughs> so, like, because he got subbed off straight <laughs> afterwards. And then the commentators were saying, oh, yeah, Umpa McConnell has made a massive mistake. You can watch it on the Champions League highlights. And I was 
I don't know whether, because you had watched the game, I'd only seen the highlights. Did Upamecano make a mistake? <laughs> I uh, yes. Um, he, yeah. he made mistakes in the first half. He was very sloppy with possession of the ball. He, he's obviously really quick, so he can make good recovery tackles. But in the first half, I think he's getting confused. He thinks he was wearing the red of Bayern Munich already. The passes that he was playing into Liverpool's midfield. I th- I think uh, on the definitely on the first goal he made a mistake because he went charging out of defence and then miscontrolled the ball. Ended up at Sabitzer. Now if Ubmakano didn't go charging out the of defence, Sabitzer could have easily just played the ball to him because he was in the biggest space. Instead, he tried to play it across the pitch and obviously. He misplaced the pass and Salah goes through and scores. But on the second goal, I don't think he, he was to blame that much. No, the reason he got, um, he got stick for it is because <laughs> this happens all the time. It happened with um, Axel Twanzebi against Istanbul Basaksehir as well, where the player that makes the most effort to get back to cover someone else's mistake gets the stick because they're in eyeline. He was the one that, Uber McConnell was the one that was getting close to Mane to cover for Mukiele's mistake. So obviously the scene number five on his back and think, oh yeah, it was obviously him that made the mistake. But Upa Meccano had a bad game regardless of that. I just wanted to make sure, because I didn't say anything, so I was curious on whether, because I didn't think it was racism. Like there's a huge difference between Upa Meccano and Mukiel. And I just wanted to see if I'd missed something, because obviously you get a different picture from watching the highlights to watching the actual tone of the game. Yeah. And so I was just curious in case I'd missed anything. Overall, it was a very good Sabitza assist uh, for Salah. So that was really <laughs> oh, good. He, he split the defence perfectly. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> right into Salah's path as well. Uh, oh, but just fantastic. real quick. <laughs> KDB-esque. <laughs> but just before we move on, what do you think about Firmino's goal? Was it out of bounds? And do you think anything needs to be done technology-wise, on them kind of decisions? don't think it was out. I think it should have counted. Because, you know, I saw the overhead camera and it was an in, like, a millimetre of the ball was still in play. So I think it should it should have counted. I agree. Sadly, I, I would love to say, like, you know... <laughs> oh, Nathan's prejudice coming it out. Looked, it looked into me. And it's, it's hard... It, it's hard to say, like, Liverpool deserved it, but yeah, they did. And... It should have been a goal. Technology, I think it's we're relying on it too much in football now. Like it's come out a lot this week. Like I think even Wayne Rooney turned around and said just scrap VAR all together. I think it's there for a reason, but I think it's involved too much at times. Yeah, I think um it should probably just work like a, you know in American football or cricket and tennis, you've got like the challenge system. Yeah, you've got like three challenges. Yeah, just do some review. Like yeah. I only saw it once. The ball looked out of play to me, but I'm happy to be completely wrong on that because I didn't see it stopped with the lines, you know, because obviously there's no Hawkeye or whatever on that part mm-hmm. of the goal. So I'm happy, like I wasn't bothered. That For me, that is one of those decisions, right, where if it's given as a goal, great. If it's not given as a goal, great. Obviously, if it's my team, I'm like, give it a goal. But beyond that, it's such fine margins. You can understand either way, so just whatever the decision is, the decision is like lick your wounds. What I will say is unbelievable work by Mane, even making anything out of that. Yeah, especially after his air shot. But do you think this could be a reason to bring back the officials on the goal line? Absolutely not. No, no, they've done nothing. Even when they were there, they've done nothing. As useful as a chocolate fire extinguisher, that lot. 
they wouldn't ever make any decisions. They just agree with the referee because they were too afraid to undermine the ref. Because they didn't have a flag, they just had a wand. Some of the decisions I've seen in the games where there's 72 officials in the oldest wave in their arms were <laughs> phenomenal. Like, I couldn't actually believe it. So uh, they were never a good thing. And when they were in, we were all just like, just get video technology in. And, and now now video technology's in, we're like, get it out. <laughs> <laughs> I still believe in VAR. The, ultimately, VAR isn't the issue. It can't be the issue. VAR is a bunch of cameras in that allow humans to see something more than one time. How it's implemented is the problem. They need to figure out and... Ultimately, the referees need a bit of coaching. That slow motion and real time isn't the same thing. If the wandering challenges in so that the game is in completely micro-managed, that would be fantastic. I would say the biggest complaint that I think most people have about VAR is the length of time it takes for a decision to be made. And obviously, VAR has made some very clear and obvious errors, especially in the last season when in the Premier League. But... It will be a good thing, as as Dan said, if it's implemented correctly and if they're bringing in like it is in cricket and rugby and all them. Mm-hmm. I think I think VAR just kills the fun of it. Like you score, your team scores a goal. Hang on, I'll just wait two minutes before I celebrate because I there was, don't. There was no problem with it at the World Cup though, so I don't understand where it went wrong in in that short period of time. Totally agree with you, Cameron. Completely agree with you. Yeah. I had a great time at the World Cup. I thought, oh my god, this is fantastic. World Cup, it was fine. No, definitely. And so we'll move on to the next day's football. So we'll. I think there's a match which was definitely more exciting than the other one. So we'll start with Sevilla versus Dortmund. And I think there's only one place to start. And we've already hinted that we were going to talk about this. Suso's deflected goal. That's what we're talking about. That's what you what mean. What a finish. It? What a finish. Unbelievable. That's what you're talking about, wasn't it, Aaron? Suso's yeah. deflected goal. To be fair, just to <laughs> give me a pat on the back. I did say Suso likes to shoot from range, but anybody can see that just by watching him for five minutes. That's all he does. Six <laughs> minutes, actually. And so, not to really give myself a pat on the back, that I did not say that Suso was going to score. But unfortunately, I did say that Haaland is not going to be in my team because of form and my three strikers were better than Haaland. I said that Haaland was going to come in for the second leg how wrong was I? <laughs> and unfortunately, my bad advice rubbed off on Dan. So I, I do apologize, Dan. Get out of my sight, Aaron. I don't want to hear it. Like a midget with a broken watch, Aaron. It's too little too late. <laughs> no, no. Dan, he convinced you not to put Haaland in. He was, when I was asking him, he was convincing mind me games. to keep Haaland in. Aaron loves <laughs> mind games. We all think that because he's religious, he's this goody two-shoes, but oh, he's both the angel and the devil's angel. He loves to see people fail. I just like I just, to look at I just like to look at the league table and see who's the highest out of us four. I just want to see Aaron said that uh, he, he was on about Haaland not being on form. Since January last year, he scored 41 goals in 42 games. And if that's him off form, then that's unbelievable. <laughs> I think what we've all done is we've all fallen, we've all fallen for the trap. And I suppose there's a little bit of FPL advice in this as well. When I see people looking to take Salah and Fernandez out as well, is that teams can do badly, but we don't care as fantasy managers. We just need 
the players that will still do well for those teams that are maybe in a bad bit of form. And it doesn't matter how well Liverpool do, Salah will get your points. It doesn't matter how well Man United do, Fernandes will get your points. And it doesn't matter how well Dortmund do, Haaland will get your points. And I just had a mental lapse in common sense and everything I know about football. Absolutely devastated. I took him out at the last minute. So, yeah, not not too chuffed with myself, but I've only got myself to blame and he will be coming in. I don't, I don't care he's coming in. Unless he's unless he gets injured from now until then, he's yes. my number one priority. Yeah, I think I overestimated Sevilla's defence. I think they had kept like six or seven clean sheets in a row. And one of that was against Barcelona, but we saw Barcelona the day, like, although we didn't know how Barcelona were going to perform when we did this in our teams. I think La Liga has really, really suffered over the last two seasons. And because we, us living in England, we don't get to see all of the highlights for La Liga. And obviously last year, Sevilla won the Europa League. So we were like, oh yeah, it's still in a strong place. But this year, there's a real risk that no Spanish teams will make it past the round of 16. And I think that's a way that we, it's kind of the only fair way that we can really compare league versus league is how they do in the Champions League. But I think their clean sheets and all of them in a row, we kind of, well, I did personally, I overestimated their ability to keep all them clean sheets and then for, totally forgot how good Dortmund were on the attack that even though they were losing, they were scoring like a goal, two goals, each game and I think I said on the last episode as well I would have took Sancho ahead of Haaland honestly I just need to give my head a shake well Sancho played well yeah he did but not fantasy wise no not fantasy but he got got an assist yeah definitely he did play really well and if Dortmund don't make it as a Champions League the fact that Haaland and Sancho and players like that are going to be at a cut price I mean, they're still going to be expensive, but they're going to be not as expensive as what they were. It's crazy that teams are going to be able to to pick them up. And what came to my mind just before we move on is if Manchester United had have took that splash on Sancho, and it's crazy that I brought Manchester United in, but if they had went and said, you know what, we're going to pay the extra 20 million for him because that's how good he is. Would they be able to give a better title challenge than what they are given now? Because of how well Sancho played in this game, I believe that they would be able to... Not, I still think Man City would be first, don't get me wrong, but I think Man United would be better challenging, a better challenging team if they had Sancho in it. Sancho's only started to pick up form very recently. The first half of the season, he didn't have any goals. I think he only had one assist until, until December. I think that was because his head was turned, though, wasn't it? With all the transfer yeah. rumors. I mean, I, I think his his agent did come out and say that everything was agreed, and it was Man United who pulled out literally the last second before he was about to sign the contract. Well, I've just I've just seen before there. Uh, apparently, Dortmund will only accept it and accept a transfer now with Man United if Dan James goes the other way. Really? Take that. Take that all day. I was like, him. money and money and Dan James, but Man U should just get it done now. Yeah. <laughs> Or just sign Haaland. Every everyone in the world should be trying to sign Haaland. Every Haaland's got a release clause. 
next, next not until 2022. Yeah, but I would wait a year to get him for 77 million or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, fully. Now, I would pay the more to get him in now, to be fair. Really? Yeah, 100%. He's so good. You're a bit flush, are you? Been doing that all the time at work, have you? <laughs> right, I've just bought Harlan for a five side team. <laughs> He's got the Saudis. We're in. sorted. Get the Saudis. <laughs> The young, the, Saudis. <laughs> the young the young chairman from Sunderland has inspired me and uh I've signed up for overtime for the rest of my life. He is a noted. suave billionaire. The ADM, the ADM music continues. Yes, in. <laughs> one one thing I will say about Dortmund um is their interim manager, Edin Kurzic. He, he was such like he was such a happy person. He, he, I've never seen a manager look so happy to be on the touchline. He was clapping everything. He was just a smile on his face for the entire ninety minutes. It was brilliant to watch. Bless him. Going back to your point though, Aaron, you know how you said you overestimated Sevilla's clean sheets. Yeah. Yeah, I made a big mistake and had three Sevilla players in my team. Two of them were one of them was a goalkeeper and the other one was a defender. Luckily, my backup goalkeeper is Noya. But then I've seen Bayern Munich have been shipping goals lately as well. I think it's one of them things, though. They were let down by the midfield. They scored too early, and I'm gutted because I, I think I, even on one of my drafts that, I, that we mentioned on the podcast, Suso was in there. I took him out for Lorente and then changed my mind and took Lorente out for Casemiro within the space of two minutes. So I wasn't too happy there, but they just scored too early because of that. They could knock out a second gear. It was the worst I've seen Ivan Rakitic play. And ultimately, the goalkeeper was just beaten by an absolute belter. Right. Big man. <laughs> Dahoud Sandstorm. I was wondering where that was Getting that extra from. point from outside the oh, box, baby. I was baby. waiting for that. <laughs> oh. But I, I will say something about to be about Sevilla is that as soon as they scored they just got the deck chairs out and just they were like oh 1-0 that's, that's fine one, one. we'll take that <laughs> <laughs> they were like oh yeah that's 1-0 that's fine I'll take that and then obviously Dahoud Sandstorm passed one into the top corner I've, it was such a, it was such a relaxed finish he just kind of rolled it onto his right foot and just passed it into the corner of the neck so and, and then Sevilla were just so slow. I mean, especially for their... Haaland's second or third goal, whatever it was, second goal. The th- third Dortmund goal, Haaland's second goal, where Rakitic passed it into Gomez, and Gomez just stood there and waited for it. And you're, you're taught as a kid, go to the ball, don't wait for it. And he just st- stood there, waited for it, and Royce just came in the back of him, got the ball, and obviously went up the pitch and scored. Was anyone else screaming at him to pass it to Sancho, or was that just me? Just no, because Har- Har- no, it's just you. It's just you. It was, all- it was always going to go to Haaland. Yeah, I couldn't complain in the end because it- I think Sancho was the early ball that was on and then the longer it went, begrudgingly Haaland was the better pass. Damn it, Mark, they were making the right decisions. Sancho's pass for Haaland's goal was brilliant. I think the entire move was brilliant. Even the- even for the Dahoud's goal, where Haaland took that one touch and took out two severe players on the on the touchline. I think just something that's going on from the outcome of this game is that kind of what you were saying before, Dan, that we're so desperate for a narrative that we have a new Messi versus Ronaldo debate. I mean, it's led a lot by the media and Gary Lineker and people like that. And so Haaland versus Mbappe, 
I know Haaland added fuel to the fire by saying that the reason he was desperate for goals was because he was motivated by Mbappe's performance. I mean, it's hard to imagine anyone who wasn't motivated by Mbappe's performance. I wanted to grab my football and go and just score loads of goals by myself after watching it. But that's enough of that. Look, my lonely life. Ooh, uh, lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> but where does everyone stand on, first of all, this debate? Should it take place? Or And then we'll go into opinions on the actual comparing people to Messi versus Ronaldo. So uh, should we be comparing Haaland versus Mbappe or is it too too early? Yes, I think we should. I because if if you look at them, the neither of them have been one season wonders, which makes me makes me think over the next ten to fifteen years where they're just gonna be score they're just they're only gonna improve in the next ten to fifteen years. So it's going to be scary the amount of goals they're going to score, and I think I think it's Haaland that's got more goals than Messi and Ronaldo at this point in his career, and that that's just that's a scary thought if he's going to improve from that. And obviously Messi and Ronaldo, they're in the 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 swan song of, of their careers, where Ronaldo is probably going to go off to Holland, uh, not Holland. America. <laughs> he's, gonna go off to, he's gonna go off to America. Uh, what, what, what sources do you have, Cameron? <laughs> I think it's the sources uh, Ronaldo's gonna be having when he gets oh, there. Oh no, Ronaldo, Ronaldo's not gonna get a Kieran trip. Yeah, have you? Have you been texting Ronaldo and he's told you to put <laughs> put on uh, a lump, lump me life savings on it? <laughs> um, but no, I think I think Ronaldo will go to America and retire there, and then you've got Messi who. If he comes to the Prem, then there's there's a chance he might not perform as people would expect him to, which I think is a real possibility. But then you've also got the chance of Messi just after he leaves Barcelona, that could be it. He could he could just finish with these millions and millions in the bank. So I think the the debate overall is definite should be happening because it will be the future of football. I'd agree with you. I think I, I agree with what Dan was saying earlier. We're like, you know, we need that. Like, we've always got that need to compare someone with someone to replace the Ronaldo Messi or the Iniesta and that. But the form these two kids really, it's still class and really in football, are in, you've got to be comparing them because they are going to be the future, like, absolute stars. Yeah, I think when it comes to, to the comparisons, Ultimately, I think one of the, the things that made Messi and Ronaldo who they are were each other. So I don't see a problem at all with with Mbappe versus Haaland on its own terms. Two young lads going through, I think that'll motivate both of them. I think we'll get the best out of both of them. And it is fun. We are fans, especially when you don't support PSG, France, or, you know, Dortmund. So, like, you, you want... You want these battles to keep you interested. I just think we need to be careful with the Messi-Ronaldo comparison because they didn't do it for one or two or three years. They did it for 10. They won things that other people just haven't won. I appreciate, obviously, Messi's missing, or well, they're both missing a World Cup. Messi's missing anything at international level. But on a club level and on a personal level with regards to the Ballon d'Ors, with regards to Ronaldo winning what four Champions Leagues in five years, hmm. is what 
in modern football is completely unheard of. Uh, you've got to go back to the Madrid team of the 50s to be seeing those numbers. You know, Maldini took 30 years to get all of his. <laughs> so we, we can't be comparing them to those two just yet because they need such a devastating period of consistency to to be on that level. So let's just enjoy them for who they are and that's two fantastic young footballers. And yes, let's compare them and let's think who's better. I think it's the probably about even, to be honest. Mbappe has the considerably more impressive trophy cabinet on top of Haaland. But I think if Haaland played for France or PSG, then you'd have yeah. the same you'd have the same trophies. Yeah, I was yeah. I was I was gonna say I think in France, if you're PSG and you're not winning the league, you're doing something wrong. Because I mean the owners of PSG own Liga, so if you're not winning it, then you you've you've obviously done something wrong. But I think I think Haaland will turn out to be the better player overall. And that's purely just because if you look at like figures and stats, he is just a pure goal scorer and has been for the last four seasons in three different leagues. I mean, four different leagues if you count the Champions League as, as a league. But um, so I think Haaland will be, be the future. He'll break records for the Ballon d'Ors and he'll do all that. So I think... If anyone's going to come out on top, it will be Haaland. But I think at the minute, Mbappe is the more all-rounded player. I think Haaland just needs to learn. It's not all about sprinting full speed and not passing the ball. So who wins the Ballon d'Or first? Then, like, if you were going to uh, put it in Haaland. their terms, Mbappe will win it first. Mbappe. I think Mbappe will win it first. But I, I think Haaland will be a complete player by the time Messi and Ronaldo stop winning them. Which I, I think Haaland needs to I make mean, a move. At the minute, Messi and Ronaldo have stopped winning them with obviously Modric and I see Lewandowski's won it, even though Ronaldo did win the UEFA Player of the Year, but you give it to Lewandowski. But um, so you might you might see at the minute that the Messi and Ronaldo hype train is dying down even though there's still two incredibly good players but I just think Haaland will be the the better all-round player by the time that that, that uh, Messi and Ronaldo both retire Speaking of Ronaldo should we talk about the Juventus Porto game? Yes Porto and Juventus Porto coming out victorious on the night 2-1 uh, We've got something go- right for once, Aaron. We've got something <laughs> right. I yes. think that's all- well, actually, no. To be fair, I said that Chiesa was Juventus player that you needed to get in, and you called the Porto striker. So, pat on our backs, Dan. Pat on our backs. Can I also just say that Taremi did something that I'm even more pleased with than his goal? Became one of the elite few strikers to get a ball recovery point. What a player. Praise, a praise the Tereme. Everyone should transfer him in. Everyone should transfer him in right now. Do it. 6.6. <laughs> I would it's also like to say, three. though, I would also like to say, though, during the group stages, I did say GSL was one I was looking at for a while. I just never put yeah, Like, there's so much I want to talk about from a Juventus standpoint, but I think we would end up falling into the trap that the media go into is, oh, if a 
if there is like quote an upset victory, we talk about how the better team on paper did badly rather than how the winning team played. So I think we need to start with Porto. Like they just executed their game plan perfectly, scoring a goal in the first few minutes, and then again in the second half, just caught Juventus sleeping. I mean, they give Man City a tough game in the group stage. They are a good team. And I think it shows when, especially like we've mentioned before, the world-class punditry. Like we've said throughout this on this podcast that Porto are a good team and there's so many cheap options. And it was just fulfilling to be able to see like attacking football and the players just having fun as well, despite it being a very serious game. What was... What did everyone think about Porto's performance? It's excellent. Uh, the press, the press as a team, the high energy. They didn't give Juventus room to breathe. They sucked all the confidence out of Juventus at every opportunity. They put pressure on Chesney because of the noise. He's not the most reliable of goalkeepers when it comes to handling and things like that. They restricted to Juventus to like half chances really I didn't until the last five minutes ten minutes I, I didn't Juventus didn't really have any moment where you go they, they obviously improved in the second half once Porto went 2-0 up in uh, similar to Liverpool they rode the luck with that first goal but ultimately that's what the press is there to do force mistakes and capitalise on mistakes so well done says everything like I say when Taremi got a ball recovery point and he's a striker that just doesn't happen in this game, midfielders, maybe, like uh, I think Salah got one, but not out and out, not number nines. So that that sums everything up. Mariga, his partner, had an okay game. Obviously, he got his goal, and that's what he's there to do. So you can't complain on the ball. He wasn't fantastic. And I think that's why he got, got subbed off. But unlucky not to get a third before the end when Taremi was through. And Alexandro kicks him down. I it, the rule is a bit dodgy because people are saying, "Is the recovering defender?" That's not the rule. The, long gone are the days of. Is it a one-on-one with a goalkeeper, or are you the last defender? That's what people think. Are you the last defender? No. Is are you denying a clear and obvious goal-scoring opportunity to a number nine who has already scored? I don't know what's more clear and obvious. So I kind of believe he didn't get sent off for it. And fair play for him to do it. Like, you take one for the team there, don't you? The ties yeah. open at 2-1. You're not getting them go through. More, one of the most informed strikers in Europe. What He's got seven in his last nine now. You're not going to let him go through one-on-one. Take him down. Absolutely no problem with the tackle, even though Taremi's on my team. And I was fuming with Sandro. But just because there's a player two yards behind also chasing... That doesn't, for me, that doesn't change the rules. It's a, clearly a goal scoring opportunity. He's a number nine in the box with up the closest player two yards behind him, on behind his left shoulder, when the goal is right side. So he's <laughs> the defender's on the wrong side for a start. But nah, the, the commentators don't want to do any actually actual analysis. They don't want to talk about anything. They just want to agree with the referees or. Oh yeah, I can see that. Like this, I don't know. They're scared that Peter Walton's going to come on and tell them what's what. Well, as you can see, guys, um, he's it's clearly going down before the ball's played, and 
I think the referee's got that one right. It's a, it's a no penalty for me. You know what? That's actually a brilliant. Uh... Anyone you could get anyone with more charisma than him. I mean, we may as well talk about obviously the penalty decision. What does everyone think of the Ronaldo uh, pen? Um, not a pen. I think it was a penalty, even though Ronaldo was already was going pen. down. Even though Ronaldo was already looking to go down, he's, he was anticipating the contact. It was Ronaldo was trying to move back towards the ball and he just, the portal defender just ran into him and just obviously fouled him, in my opinion. But You've seen a lot of them, a lot of them like this season, you've seen a lot of them given, like the whole the player might already be going down, but then the defenders made contact with him. He's gone down the box, there you go, pen. Um, so my like, I've seen it a few times, and I would I would still say it was a pen. I think Ronaldo was harshly done by there. It should have been a pen. Buzzing though that he didn't get a goal, aren't I? Absolutely buzzing. I'm not. I'm I not. Happened him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just I just had him in my team. Like, I mean, I had Chaser as well, so yeah, I got points off him. But it would have been good if you know Ronaldo had scored. I'm probably biased in a sense that because I don't have Ronaldo, I didn't think it was a pen. <laughs> but I mean, he was go- he was going down like. Yeah, there's contact, but when you heart, I don't think he was diving. By the way, either. No, no. I, I, change of direction, and his momentum's taken him away from the ball, and then the defenders. It's, I mean, it's clumsy. If the, this is another subjective decision. If the referee gives a penalty, no one can complain. If the referee doesn't give a penalty, no one can complain. Like it's one of them where, it's totally subjective for the referee on the day, and I'm okay with that. Absolutely. But I think it was the fact that it went to VAR and VAR didn't give it. I've I've literally just watched it again, and you can see Ronaldo touch the ball back, and then he goes to rearrange his feet to run after the ball, and I think his left foot sort of slips away, and he then he gets hit. Exactly. So, so his left foot slips away. So I think oh, also, you, you can sort of get see it from both angles where it's just like, oh, he's sort of. But do you think down. the referee has made a clear and obvious error? No. I, I think you it's so, the, so VAR can't intervene if it's, it's not yeah, a clear it's, and obvious error, they can't intervene. And I think there's enough there to, to agree with a referee to say, well, okay, your, your decision stands. Equally, if the ref gives the pen, there's enough there. It's not a clear and obvious error again. So there's not enough there to say, right, it's not a pen. I, I think in this instance, VAR has worked perfectly. And I'd prefer it though. It's just oh, more VAR controversy. It's not VAR controversy. And it's... I really, I really don't think that if the penalty was given or not, that it's going to change the tie. Because I think you know, with the away goal, I think Juventus have still uh, are in the driving seat. So I don't think they can really complain about how the the game panned out. I think the only thing it does <laughs> is make Ronaldo angry for the second leg, which makes him a better fantasy option. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's. That, I think that's the only thing it does. Like yeah, I've, I've seen, ca- I'll captain him next week as well. At least he'll be on the. <laughs> at least he'll be on the first night this time, so you'll get that right. Get in. And but like I, d- I did think it was a penalty just because I don't know if Ronaldo could have got to the ball, it with his age. But when he was at Man United, he that he that skill was named like renamed after him, the Ronaldo chop. So he like he's done that skill so many times, especially when he used to just run down the left, do that skill, and then be able to strike it with his right. And that was just a signature move for for Ronaldo. I think, yeah, I think even though because of that it was a penalty, I, I don't think he would have actually scored from the opportunity 
if he hadn't been taken down. I think it, the angle was too tight. But I agree with Dan that the ref didn't need to go to VAR. And I think it's just the narrative that English media is trying to place on VAR because a lot of the pundits are against it. Um, and I think they're just not willing to accept anything it does right. Uh, in terms of Juventus, I'm just going to get to it. Uh, I think they didn't have a game plan. I just don't understand what Perlo was doing at, at all. I've said a few times throughout this podcast, throughout the year, that managers who change things up for the Champions League very rarely get it right. So they've kept so many clean sheets in the league with Benucci and Chiellini and Chesney as the back three. And what does he do? He puts De Ligt in. But Benucci was injured. He's on the bench. Yeah, but he'd um, he'd pulled up with an injury. That's why he didn't come on either when Chiellini was injured. So uh, no, he... like um, like I do agree with you for that point. But Perlo has two distinct centre back partnerships. He doesn't like to play Benucci and Delict together because they play the similar roles. And so it's either Delict Chiellini, Delict Demiral, because Demiral and Chiellini are quite similar physically and so that what when I first saw that but that wasn't the biggest decision that I thought he got wrong not playing Morata up front with Kulisevsky starting I thought was insane yeah I was gonna say that if you want Ronaldo to play better and you want him to score who better to play than the person who's given him the most assists this year the game changed when he came on He's he's brilliant, and Kulisevsky is a good player, but he's tragic as a striker. He's an, he's clearly a midfielder, mm-hmm. and a good one. You can't be play. It's totally different playing as a striker. Totally different. Yeah, there's just so much things I I feel like Perlo got wrong in his inexperience. Look back at a UV take the UV Barca game for instance. Morata was absolutely brilliant that game. Yeah, and he was up with Ronaldo, and the two of them just. The partnership was there. McKenny was playing in the midfield and he was excellent. And it's like, take that as your basis. You've just dominated Barcelona. Take that as your basis going into the next game and go with the same. Yes, if you've got injuries, you have to change a few things, but try and keep to what you know is working well. I think if you look at the first goal, it's very easily avo- it's very easily avoidable because First of all, I don't like teams. If you're away from home, I don't like you playing out from the back. Even I don't care who you are. If you're away from home, <laughs> Pep Guardiola, you listening to Cameron here? <laughs> don't care who you're you going are. away to Munch and Gladbach, and you're going to play out from the back. Cameron doesn't think so. Not in his watch. <laughs> Cameron's going to make a rant about it now. <laughs> in in the first in the first minute of the game, why are you playing out from the back? And when Benton Kerr gets the ball, he looks behind him to see. I don't know, I forgot the name of the portal player that's closing him down. But he sees the portal player closing him down on his right foot. So that, if he's looked at him and say, oh, he's coming on my right foot, that makes you think, I'll turn on to my left, where Kulusevsky is, uh, can drop into the space and he plays it out, then you, you're in, you obviously don't concede the goal in the first 60 seconds. So I think that's avoidable. Um, another point I want to bring up is if... UV do go out to Porto in the next leg. Could that see Perlo uh, gone? No, 
I don't and think on to so. the next question then. <laughs> <laughs> and they're saying, oh, yeah, it's a transitional year. Hmm. Well, why on earth did you not try and get rid of Ronaldo during the summer? So that, because the reason he's there is to win the Champions League. Did you just forget that plan? Like, yeah, I don't understand with Juventus, to be honest, but... I feel sorry for Ronaldo. That game, I saw someone on on Twitter, and I usually hold my tongue when people give out, like, opinions where they clearly not watch the game, Mm. where they were comparing the stick that Ronaldo will get compared to Messi, and Ronaldo won't get any for this game, even though he was a ghost. I don't know what game that... If This person clearly didn't watch this game, because... Juventus's defenders just run four yards up the pitch and pass it back to the other centre-back, run four yards forward, and by that time, the other ones drop back, and they just pass like that. Moses would have been proud of splitting that Juventus midfield four. You had two left-wingers and two right-wingers, and no one in the middle. Ronaldo came deep to pick up the ball, and at times... he, he's, How old is he? He's 30, I always get this wrong. He's like, what, 36 four? or something? 35. Now. 35 years old, and I'm not joking. Sure three different ages. Three, yeah, whatever. He's a, he's a myth. He's, he's a legend. He's, he's fake. He's, he's, he's fake. He's over Fabi Barton. He's thirty-six. He's thirty-six. Yeah, he's he's yeah, younger so, than yeah. he's younger than Perlo. He's oh, sorry. Yeah, he's younger than Perlo. <laughs> yes. That's all that matters. So he's younger than Perlo, and on three separate occasions, he picks the ball up deep and skins three or four Porto players. And I think on one of the occasions, he does end up losing the ball, but he had to do that. There was a time where he was pressing the two defenders, then the goalkeeper and the rest of the UVA team were 20 yards behind him doing absolutely nothing. For Juventus, he actually does track back. Like, he does defend. And then, obviously, he's so close to getting the penalty. He didn't... Did he have a chance? I don't think a single player gave him a chance to score. So, I think Chiesa played all right. He was on the right side and he, Chiesa did everything that he could do from that position. I totally agree, Aaron. Weston McKinney is a fantastic central midfielder that I think stupidly has been compared to Roy Keane, but I, I get the comparison. He's he's that mould of player. Probably more Steve Sidwell at the minute than Roy Keane. But I agree, like, play him in there. He gives the energy, not on the left wing where he's completely useless. Perlo just got it all wrong. Uh, and it's worth mentioning as well, Danilo is suspended for the second leg. Yeah. Um, obviously, you mentioned the Ronaldo like dribbling by himself. Do you think that could be a case of like similar to Messi, where he obviously had the loose touch and just fell to Dembele, but Dembele was just like, oh, Messi does it by himself, so I'll just stand here and not expect the ball. Do you think the rest of the Juventus team is just going to get, oh, Ronaldo has the ball, I'll just stand on the halfway line and wait for him to go past six players and whip it in the top corner? I don't think so, because Ronaldo hasn't done that in such a long time. He's a totally different player now to what he was when he was 23, 24. Yeah. He just doesn't do that. He's definitely a more final third player. Also, when Messi has the ball in the final third, that's when you sort of expect, okay, I'll I'll probably not expect him to pass it. Although Messi will gratefully pass the ball. Like, he's not, Messi's not a greedy player. He's more likely the two to pass the ball. But ultimately, the big indictment is, Ronaldo, who is now a box player, he's like we say, he's only just younger than Perlo, and he's now having to drop into central midfield because none of the midfielders are there just to pick up the ball 
And then he's having to dribble past people because there is no one to pass it to. Not one player wanted the ball that game, except for Ronaldo and the two centre-backs. They were, they were cowards. The entire Juventus team were absolute cowards in that game. Until Morata came on and then totally opened up the game. Which makes you question why he didn't start. Yeah, I think Perlo's out of his depth. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so moving on. So that was a roundup of the first part. Obviously, we can't make any transfers going into next week's Champions League games. However, because I know a lot of people made the jump to Ronaldo captain, we are looking at the next group of fixtures, looking at players that we may have in our teams and who might be good captain choices. Obviously, if you do have any questions, please contact us on Twitter at UCL Fantasy Pod. And we will do our good best. Good segue, Aaron. And that's a good segue. That's how you do it. That's a world class. Cheeky plug. Thank you. <laughs> Cheeky. Uh, Kit, you, you are the Tiago Alcantara of segues. <laughs> so are any, of, are any of you looking to get a new captain? Obviously, if you've got Mbappe or Haaland as captain, don't even... Just, we'll see you next week. But... Uh, yes. <laughs> but uh, is anyone else looking to change their captain? Now, I'm really happy with my uh, N Naziri 2.0, to be fair. I'm chuffed to bits with that, so I'll probably just keep it. <laughs> yeah, I had, him in, I had him in my team as well, and I was, I was chuffed when he uh, didn't score or do anything. I was chuffed when he came off at 59 minutes and the game counted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> same. So going through the first game, Atletico Madrid-Chelsea. However, this is on the same night as Bayern Munich, so would you mm. look at anyone in this game to captain over a Bayern Munich asset? For me, it's no, but just a simple, interested in your A simple answer is no, but if you don't have any Bayern, then obviously you're probably going to have to. I think from this game, probably the two outstanding choices are Llorente, who scored again uh, the other night. On Tuesday, I think he played. Tuesday or Wednesday, he scored again. Yeah, Drew, Drew with Levante, but he got the goal. Yeah, or um, Suarez. Yeah. Mm. All right. I'm, I don't have too much faith in the La Liga teams. Anyway. <laughs> I, just, I've gone to... I think Lewandowski is the simple answer to this question. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Lewandowski, or if you want to go risky, go uh, look at the starting lineup. Kingsley Coleman, he's probably another one that people are going to be looking at. But I think everyone who's still playing the game probably has a Bayern Munich player in it. They're the ones who you probably need to be looking to captain if you need to change it. If all goes to worst, Lazio hold Bayern Munich for a 1-1 draw. And so there's no clean sheet. Lewandowski didn't score. It was an own goal. Uh, who are we looking at for the next day? Are we looking at anyone from Atalanta versus Real Madrid? Or would you be tempted to go more so with Man City versus Mönchengladbach? Just ban the cap and say I'm Romero and I've done with it. Well, I, that's what I was going to say. So I've got, Rome, <laughs> I've got Romero, Romero in my team. And if you look at his recent performances in the Champions League, he's got a 9, 12 and 10 point there. So he's all he's always likely to pick up quite a few points. So he is a potential captain, but it's also against Real Madrid. I'm going to so, be quick with, with my captaincy picks. I think your captaincies for Real Madrid are Benzema and Casemiro. I think your captaincies for Atalanta are, if you've got one of the forwards, Zapata or Muriel, fine. Probably not Muriel because you might not start. Um, I'll never say don't captain Illicit because 
he did us so well last year against a Spanish team with no with no crowd. Romero, Fine, and Gosens. They're the, they're the ones that you're looking to captain that day, but you're in desperate, dire, dire straits if you're looking to captain Atalanta players on the final day. I think you'd probably go to the, the Man City game, and I think Kevin De Bruyne, Ilkay Gundogan, Phil Foden. Just see who's playing for Man City and pick one of their forwards. Yeah. Definitely don't confirm a captain change until you've seen the start in 11s. Don't make any substitutions until you see the start in 11s. You shouldn't be making substitutions at all until 7 o'clock or 5 past 7 next Tuesday night. UK um, time. UK time, GMT. Um, but also just run away for Bayern Munich, Pavard tested positive for COVID today. So Kimmich might be playing right back. We just do not know. And so with all of these, if you do, again, like I said before, if you want specific questions answered, let us know on Twitter uh, or, or in the YouTube comment section if you are watching on YouTube. And we're not going to do a preview for next week because we kind of covered that last week in part two of the preview. Uh, but please get in touch. Let us know what you think of the episodes, what you think of the structure. We're happy to accommodate it uh, to you, the listeners. And thank you for listening. Thank you, Cameron. Thank you, Nathan, for joining. Dan, as always, lovely to hear your voice. And we'll catch you next time on the main event podcast. See you later, everyone. Bye.